Today's episode of RPG Pop Club is brought to you by the generous support of our producer, Just a Guy. Thank you for your support. Dear listeners, if you too are enjoying RPG Pop Club, please consider supporting us on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash rpgpopclub. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of RPG Pop Club. Before we get into today's episode, we wanted to address another listener email uh, pulling into the mailbag, we received a message from John. Uh, John says, I played the heck out of the Escape Velocity series. Uh, we talked about the Escape Velocity. It was, oh gosh, I even forget which episode it was. Um, regardless, I still always went back to the first one because I had an easier time disabling pirate ships to board them and take over for myself in order to quickly make a fleet of ships uh we have with us for our mailbag by the way thank you john for writing in um we have with us not only phil uh hey. as usual but also aaron aaron hello yes now aaron you were the one who played escape velocity you brought it up in the podcast can you let our listeners uh know what briefly what is escape velocity Oh, yeah. So Escape Velocity uh, was a series of video games produced by Ambrosia Software for the, the Mac and potentially some other platforms, but I at least remember playing it on my Mac back in the day. And there were uh, three different uh, sort of versions of it. There was the original Escape Velocity. Um, there was Escape Velocity Override. And then eventually, along much later, came uh, EV Nova, which was from the team at Atmos bunch of really great Australian and potentially some New Zealander guys as well, at least Australian for sure. Um, again, all produced by Ambrosia Software and uh, they were just great um, and just fun sort of privateer style, you know, go out into the galaxy, jump from planet to planet, system to system, fight pirates, trade, you know, all kinds of amazing stuff. Um, you know, what John was writing in about is one of the most fun parts about it. If you could time it quite right, you could disable enemy ships and board them. Uh, and then you could sort of take their crew or depending on kind of what percentage chance you could potentially take the ship. I remember um, I upgraded all the way to the sort of top ship of the original game, which was called the Kestrel. And then you could have even like a whole fleet of... Um, you know, like fighter ships that you would launch from your internal bays, because of course you could add on to your ship as well. So I'd go into systems and send out my fighters and we would just disable every single pirate ship in there and I'd board them all and, you know, make fat loot off of them. It was a blast. It was a lot of fun. Sounds amazing, man. I used to love games like that. I used to play an old text-based game on BBSs that was like the same kind of concept. And I just love that the upgrading the ship, running into encounters in space, and you know you could do regular jobs, you can like uh, do criminal jobs, all that stuff. Um, it, so much of it, when I think about in our Star Trek game, when we have the, especially with the the traders and merchants side of things, the idea of um, taking on cargoes and um, doing upgrades to your ship and all that sort of stuff, you know, working on trade routes and um 
that seems like it would be so fun just just from my memories of video games but that might be something that video games handle better than than face-to-face the tabletop rpgs yeah there, there i think there's an aspect of the video game that that can make it a little bit easier to manage you know because your ship becomes really modular and you can see really clearly sort of like where you can get the best upgrades and how much it's going to cost and you can establish these very specific trading routes and then what comes after that of course is just grinding and i think that's a place where in a video game that's easier to master or not master but it's easier to manage because i think grinding in a face-to-face rpg is just really hard on everyone you know it's more fun to do the major plot points and the grinding piece of it i think with a video game you can kind of half tune in and half watch a show or something like that if you're just running the same trade route over and over and over again so that you can afford you know whatever upgrade it is or whatever ship it is there's something super participatory about a tabletop rpg where you really have to be involving everyone and it has that capacity to involve everyone in a very unique way in a way even most board games can't do well Sometimes, like if you play like an eight player game of Arkham Horror or something, and you're just waiting forever for your turn to come back around, you know what I mean? That never is really quite the case in the RPG. There's always a little bit more um, freedom to for everyone to chime in. And um, and so stuff like that, like uh, working, you know, establishing the trade route or, you know, uh, working on the upgrade of your ship. That's something that might be interesting to one player, and it might not be interesting to the whole rest of the table. So you yeah. kind of have to to go with what works. Well, and again, you have to look at it at like, you know, even if you find a lucrative trade route, you probably have to run it a bunch of times before you make enough to afford whatever, you know, galaxy class cruiser you're trying to get to, mm. you know, and as it should be, right? Like that's a hard mm. task that shouldn't go quickly, but that doesn't necessarily suit itself to the sort of more narratively inclined thing that you might be looking for with a group of people you know again that's like maybe between sessions or something the person or people who are interested in that can kind of help formulate that stuff as sort of like a side thing but yeah it's uh i think that's something that just is uniquely suited better to video games is grinding i don't know you tell us dear listeners what do you think about that there's, you know, the origins of RPG came out of wargaming and like just to get these giant clubs of dozens of people and you didn't even necessarily have NPCs. It was all PCs basically managing their own domains, creating their own dungeons, raising their own armies and their own crops and doing their trade and stuff like that. And like constant, constant, just like between session stuff. Um, but that's not the usual paradigm for an RPG where it's a session you sit down and play for three hours and then otherwise forget about it. Um, and, you know, something to be said for both, but you got to go with the, the speed of your group. For sure. Well, I have something else to talk about real quick, just because it's timely. I was on another podcast. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my goodness. As a guest. It's called Interfleet Broadcasting, and it's, a, it's about Star Galactica. Uh, podcast and specifically based on the original series um so i have like a a facebook group about battlestar galactica uh called battlestar galactica it's the best show in the whole wide world which is kind of a an in-joke with you know me and my family basically um 
but I started it way back when. So it's like one of the oldest Battlestar Galactica groups now. So they wanted to have me on and um, it's called Interfleet Broadcasting and I'm on the May 6th edition of it. And of course, I mentioned nice. last year and then we start, started getting into um, RPG talk and talking about doing a Battlestar Galactica RPG and what that would look like and stuff. So check it out. It's good fun. All right. Well, thank you guys. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you, Phil. And uh, thank you, John, for writing in. Um, we always yeah. love to hear from our listeners. Um, if any of our listeners have something to say, please uh, contact us. Uh, you can get on our website. You can email us at rpgpopclub at gmail.com. Uh, but for now, let's get on with the show. Let's do it. RPG Pop Club. RPG Pop Club. RPG Pop Club. RPG Pop Club. Yeah! Hi, I'm Philip Sokoloff. I'm Sarah Uncle Carter. And this is RPG Pop Club. Each week we play a Star Trek tabletop RPG adventure and then we review it. Today we are playing the Dagobah Deception. I mean the Denovah Deception. That's right. And we're joined by no one. We're <laughs> joining each other. You got your OG group. That's right. I loved our first episode. It was so cerebral. Do you think we could ever get back to that, Sarah Nicole? Nope. <laughs> That's all we had, folks. If you want to hear anything intelligent, go somewhere else. <laughs> We're now going to talk about our genitals for an hour. <laughs> uh, damn it. I'm kind of podcast. I think we could get more um, Patreon subscribers if that were the case. Yeah. Where are you guys? <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, you know what? If only our group ever listens to this, it'll be so worth it. I often think about, you know, you know, thinking back about our old D&D days and how great it would have been if we would have had recorded recaps and shit. So, this is great fun, Sarah Nicole. We love well, it. let's talk about let's talk about Star Trek. So, you usually watch an episode before each game. And I've been listening back to our old episodes for the first maybe season and a half. And Sarah Nicole, you always mentioned about how highly we recommend this idea of having everybody watch an episode before every game. Um, and I agree. I, I thought it was so great when we could pull that off. How, yet, over time, I think it's gotten harder and harder. So can we have a moment of truth about this? Yeah. Um, have you been telling us to watch an episode before recent? Have you been yeah. ordering that of the group? Yeah, it's still part of the format. I, I just even I myself find it hard, you know, because every week we're we're prepping the podcast, we're doing the podcast, we're prepping the the game, and we're playing the game, and then to find a whole other night in which we're also going to do a Star Trek thing and sit down and watch a whole episode, an episode that honestly you and I have already seen. It it's it's it it pay it pays for itself, but it, it's it's getting harder. I have to admit. Carter, I think um, we, you know, when we started doing this, we did a big rewatch of all Star Trek content, right? Yeah, you and Eric did. did yeah. Through all the animated series yet, which we will, of course, we will. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's, it is, I think it's hard to go watch it again right now. 
but I always like when you do send out an episode I at least google and go wait what episode was that and refresh right and a lot of times I'll rewatch at least some of it if I don't recall right? but most of the time I can google the title of the episode and go oh yeah it's that one easy right yeah so I like a little refresher. I, I do like watching before if we have time. But it's hard. Um, life is kind of coming back from coronavirus now. Right? Or yeah. COVID. And so people's schedules are starting to slowly creep back to being scheduled again. Or also people have found coping or ways of coping socially. Right. So people are still having, you know, commitments even if they're not in person. So that started to kind of happen. And so I think it just makes time harder. I will say though, for the purpose of this podcast and discussing these RPGs, I think uh, most of the people who are listening to our podcast, we love you, dear listeners, are people who are RPG enthusiasts or who are game masters or who are just obsessed with Star Trek. And those sorts of people might not be playing and recording a podcast every single week. Right? If they're setting, sitting down to play uh, one of these modules, it might be something that they're doing as a one-off adventure or maybe a couple of nights with their regular group, folding it into another campaign they play regularly or something like that. A lot of people are more, there's been kind of a renaissance of D&D um, and I think more yeah. people who aren't, uh, who are more casual RPG players or more casual tabletop gamers are kind of coming to D&D again. So a lot of people are playing D&D and if you decide to do a Star Trek adventure or you hear something cool on this podcast and you want to try it, then of course I recommend watching the episode that we've talked about or refreshing yourself with the Star Trek fandom, pop culture, idioms, that universe getting yourself in. This is a quick and easy way to get it. At this point, I would say you and I are pretty immersed in the Star Trek um TOS culture yeah pretty much you can name an episode and we know which one off the top of our heads and can picture it and can quote lines from it and things like that so when you're in it to win it we're not necessarily watching the episode again every time we don't need to however dear listeners if you're just visiting the Star Trek universe with your gaming group for a minute then I still recommend trying to watch an episode to hook your crew in right and maybe even make it fun do a watch party everybody get in costume you know Mm. do something to get your mindset into the star trek universe but i also think that like cthulhu like eric when engineer eric is here with us of course og crew um when engineer eric does a cthulhu adventure sometimes it takes me a few minutes to wrap my mind around not being in a jolly star trek you know fun hopeful universe or not being in our in our D universe which is hack and slash and fun and treasure and you know roll and kill and blah, blah, blah right all different and then having to be in that like kind of clever creepy things are not what they seem and you will go crazy in any second right universe that's hard to kind of sweep into when you're used to being like dick jokes roll for romance you know so yeah you asked a simple question and made a simple comment that we 
haven't been watching episodes as frequently and i went into a full aaron warner monologue um lots of food for thought yeah i think we'll, we'll definitely continue to to look at this as um just the format of our podcast is we're reviewing a one night or maybe two night um adventure and so what we'll continue to do is to recommend if your group is going to pull out this module here's a good episode that you should watch for it um and then for our group um I think there's going to be some modules where there's there's an obvious episode they must watch before there's going to be like a you know the doomsday machine mm-hmm. there's an ep- there's a module called the doomsday a doomsday like any other so that's that's a that's a sequel oh. we're definitely going to watch that episode before that we play that module and so other obvious ones like that a lot of the modules though we're kind of grasping at straws at this point of of a module that really ties into it and so it's a little bit like um, maybe for those we can just say not have the group necessarily uh, watch an episode beforehand Hmm. one of the reasons for that is that a lot of the modules are um, just kind of they just deal in in sort of minor conspiracies with established species taking you know uh, taking part and and there isn't really um a lot of the the star trek episodes have something just like kind of super sci-fi or almost supernatural involved in them and so they don't really tie in as well with the modules so that's one of the reasons i've been grasping yeah that makes sense I mean, it's also, you can also be like, just watch an episode of Star Trek, you know? Yeah. Or watch any episode that's got this alien species. I love the element of us all as a group harking back to stuff in in unexpected ways sometimes and, and, and catching each other's references. If you're doing like a Star Wars module, well, any, any Star Wars quote that you're going to drop, everyone's going to get. Mm. more with a show it's you kind of have to set that up maybe we can even just do like clips you know like share watch this you know five minute clip from this one episode to kind of get back in the mood and and something we can all hark back to that's a fun idea even we usually just peek behind the curtain dear listeners we usually open our zoom room a little bit early so people can socialize do non-star trek stuff and show up to that room whenever that might be a good time to throw some video clips in yeah that that that's such an important part of the week for me is getting back together with you guys and just kind of talking about anything that's always just been the core of my rpg experience but um but yeah um and the other thing is when we get into other um, genres like marvel or call of cthulhu it's just finding ways to adapt our our format of you know watching an episode um, do we read a short story or do we watch uh, like a cartoon or, or read a comic book or how can we kind of get into it, into those genres? That'll be fun and interesting to see. Uh, again, we're giving all the secrets away right now um, that Philip mentioned Marvel and we might have some Marvel content coming up eventually in the pipeline and we might have prepped for that by receiving some videos, video clips from our DM for that adventure. 
Yeah. And I found that really helpful, right? Because these are well-established characters in that particular universe who you will be playing in that particular version of the RPG. Okay? And so it's not something, it's, you know, it's a little more structured, right? You're playing an existing character, so you have to be true to that existing character, right? So that was incredibly helpful, just talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. You know, Engineer Eric, I know that we don't usually Quite invite so. you to speak in these situations, but do you have We're any to call you in almost every episode? I know. Exactly. Um, do you right, anything you after my box? <laughs> yeah, do you? No, where am I? What would you recommend people watch before a Cthulhu adventure? Oh, like, shoot. We've never really talked about that. I knew that was coming up. I mean, well, I you should have prepped for it. Well, I guess I should have. Um, the first time we recorded, which our listeners will eventually hear, the first time we recorded a Cthulhu adventure, we did some prep materials. We did a, uh, we photoshopped the newspaper. That's right. Article that kind of gave some flavor and gave some hints and clues. And we sent that to the players beforehand, yeah. which yes. I felt like got people in the mood, but you know. Yeah, that was really, it was just to set the tone set the place um because with star trek it's very it's very strong ip it's a very strong setting it's sci-fi uh same with star wars you're immediately like oh okay i know where i'm at Ooh. and even D, right is that high fantasy conan the barbarian lord of the rings right you you, mm -hmm. you kind of get it but call of Duty is a little different right because yeah. number one you can put it in, in almost any time period we play I don't want to turn this into a Call of Cthulhu podcast. No, that time is coming. But um, quick, yeah. that you know, we play in the 1920s, but you could set it in um, the 19th century. You can set it in the modern era. You can set it any any time in the 20th century, and you can even do steampunk, Victorian. Um, but uh, trying to set that stage and you know get you in that mindset. I mean, the, one suggestion. You could potentially watch one of these campy old or, Lovecraftian horror films, right? Or Lovecraft Country, which is brilliant. Lovecraft Country is a fantastic series on HBO uh, where they, it's not strictly a, a Lovecraft adaption, but it is certainly Lovecraftian uh, in in its storytelling and the way they do the horror, building the universe, a lot of the social commentary. So Lovecraft Country is a great one to kind of set the mood. Any sort of the um, modern retellings of Lovecraft in, in cinema. Um, you have Reanimator. They just did Nicolas Cage, Color Out of Space, um, which I've not seen, much to my chagrin. Uh, but any of those can really you can watch of, that on your own whenever you like. I will certainly watch that on my own. <laughs> Some real Little trash cinema. But that, that's basically it. Just kind of setting the stage, getting people in the right mindset. Uh, where where is the setting, right? Yeah, and okay, I'm gonna last thank you, Eric. You may go back. Save this rabbit hole as long as you guys want. So go go for it, Samantha. Okay, I'm gonna make, closing my box. I'm gonna make my last comment about it so we okay. can move on to this episode. Um I think that we are a theatrical people in this particular group. Um, as you know, dear listeners, we all met in college for performing arts. Mm. A lot of us are currently performing artists, and so we have a lot of desire to do RP when we play and character building and we enjoy the theatricality of it. I'm going to do a character voice. So for us, watching something 
is an incredibly helpful tool to lock into the universe and to help us get in the mood to be theatrical in our gameplay. Your group might not be as into the RP aspect of some of these games, and that is fine, right? There's different styles of play and different groups are different. This is just what seems to work very well for us. And we enjoy, just as Philip said, quoting episodes or using things from that shared experience to make inside jokes or to tie in character experiences and things like that. So I, I think what my point is, is that we might like it because we're all freaking theatrical, right? But that's not a bad thing. It makes it a lot of fun from an RP standpoint. Thoughts, feelings, opinions, Philip Sokolov, everybody. I, I was going to take a, another tack, which I think you set up very well. Oh. If your group is into um, other aspects of it, there are other ways that you could set it up. I'm thinking about like Middle Earth or Firefly. Middle Earth has a great board game. Well, there's a lot of great board games and other kinds of games, but there's one called uh, War of the Ring. And, you know, I... We, we played that, Eric, and uh, yeah. some of the guys, you know, John, who had never seen the movies or read the books, got super into it with us and was able to, like, kind of rattle off the geography of Middle Earth after playing this board game. So, so among other cool things that the board game can do is it can um, familiarize you with the geography, kind of bring the world to life in that way. The Firefly board game is also so great for that for really making you feel at home uh, in, the, in the Firefly universe. So yeah, there's definitely other, other ways that you can um, uh, uh, enhance your RPG experience through other, other, other aspects of the, the IP. Yeah, I love it. Also sugar and costumes. Those are my other two suggestions. Uh -huh. Sugar. Not, not, alco not alcohol. I would never recommend alcohol to your and, listeners. And caffeine. Sugar, caffeine, mm -hmm. costumes. There you go. Yeah. I feel like we have plenty of rants against sugar on this podcast, rightfully so. We used yeah, to do a Mountain Dew and then we would just like crash so hard. Just like rock, Rockstar Juice, man. Remember that? Yeah. It is. Oh, bad for you. That was when before I had all my cavities. Oh my God. Terrible. Oh, we're so old. So kids, enjoy. <laughs> enjoy your Cheetos and Mountain Dew. It's good catch up to you when you're you're our age. In high school, playing with Tobias and Brandon, we would stay up till the sun came up, playing the RPG all through the night. Oh, something else. Those were the days. Because you had so many yeah. girlfriends. What? Oh. Well. oh. <laughs> Ouch. Everybody's uh. like fine now, though. So everyone's just fine everyone's doing great anyway yeah um but you know what I'm, I'm so excited that we're doing this now because i you know what i love is talking about rpgs with people and, and they talk about man we played the shit out of it back in the day and i just get so excited when they say that like yeah that's all you gotta do is just play the shit out of it <laughs> so that's what i'm all about now let's just you know get off our asses and play so um this is awesome also if it was fun back then it's probably still fun now unless it's right. a couple of the rpgs we've reviewed we have allotted three hours a week of our lives 
towards this because uh, we're grown-ups now but hey we do what we're we milking, milking the shit out of those three hours so speaking of which um first of all we have to talk about what episode we watched we did not watch an episode oh. and we'll circle back to why that is um in a minute but basically if there is if there is an episode that you want to watch for this module it's operation annihilate because this is a sequel to that episode we already watched that episode because we already played another sequel to that episode which was lost and presumed dead you guys remember that one the little pancakes or, or fried egg aliens yeah. there eh, 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 eh. okay so now um <laughs> Pain. All right. Um, so this was from Stardate Magazine number two, which was Fast's magazine. We talk all about the magazine in our last episode and how excited we get about um, magazines, especially me. December 1984. And the module is called The Den of a Deception. It's by Dale L. Kemper, who also wrote Termination 1456, my favorite module. Um, so this should be a pretty competent one. Shall we dive right into the recap? Let's do it! Commander's Log, Stardate 7359.3. The Saladin is in orbit around the planet Deneva, conducting general repairs and rest and recreation for the crew. I have just received word that an old friend, Federation Ambassador Carlos Luis Rivera, has requested permission to beam up to the planet. That's right. So, Deneva. What? My boyfriend! Yeah. Let's, let's, a lot, lot to unpack there. Deneva is the planet from Operation Annihilate, right? So, your guys are at that planet. Um, and Ambassador Rivera is the NPC from In the Presence of My Enemies. He was the guy that was captured by Klingons. He has a mustache. He looks like Basil Rathborn. Um, and yes. I'll go meet him at the transporter. All right. You go over to the transporter room. Who else is there? Uh, Everybody's there? Yeah, everyone's there. Who's manning the transporter controls? Roca Solano. Okay. We're all in full dress uniforms. Yes. You are? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, we are. Ambassador Rivera beamed aboard and got right down to business. Yeah, he did. Yeah. I wish I could come under better circumstances. Oh, no. However, there is an issue of grave concern. I need your assistance. I, we, down on the planet, we have just received this message. To whom it may concern, I have taken control of the yacht Immaculata, along with its passenger, Anto Rantura, owner of Rantura Shipping Lines. If the sum of 500 million credits is not transported aboard the Immaculata by shuttlecraft in negotiable form within the next four hours, I will be forced to kill Mr. Rantura, and then we'll proceed to crash this vessel into the government com compound on Deneva. Any attempt at interference by Starfleet 
or local authorities will result in a massive loss of life on planet. Contact via computer hard copy within the next hour for your answer to our demands. Signed, Captain Rolf Rendell, Yacht Immaculata, out. As you see, is a most distressing message. Oh my god, it's brilliant. brilliant. Good stuff. Lieutenant Jensen ran some scans and located the Immaculata in orbit around the planet, pretty much exactly on the opposite side of the planet from the Saladin. Commander Tapru attempted to negotiate with the hijackers. Stacy the Immaculata, how could I help you? Hello, Immaculata. This is Commander Tapru of the Starfleet vessel Saladin. Starfleet? I said... No interference with no Starfleet. Hey, um, on a different channel, can we have my boyfriend please contact them and I'll help him say the right things? You want the NPCs to talk with each other? <laughs> <laughs> I really desperately, desperately do. Yacht Immaculata, this is the planetary government of the planet Deneva. Please uh, come in. Ah, yes. So good to make your acquaintance, sir. Your demands are most unreasonable. However, we, uh, it seems we have no choice but to accommodate you. Yes, we will certainly send the shuttle. Uh, you said we have four hours. Um, would it be a deal breaker if we make it five? Five hours, we must have five hours. Oh, you definitely have my assurances. Okay. Okay, just give us the coordinates where we shall send the shuttle. Where is your uh, present position? Ah, yes. I'm sorry, I'm not uh, one of these technical types. No, no. Okay. Yes, they, yes. I am told they have your position on their scanners. Mm hmm. Yes. Okay. Pleasure to do business with you. Uh, we we will um, we will draw up an agreement, of course, of uh, the terms and the uh, the, uh, the immunities and and the treatment of the prisoner and all of these uh, uh, details to great effect. Okay. Yes. All right. Okay. Five hours. Okay. <laughs> okay. No, you. No, you. Okay. Okay. Bye. You pick up. All right. Right. Amazing. Ah, uh, a little fun with myself there. Yeah, perfect. There was some discussion of strategy. Should we just pay them off? Should we disguise the shuttle and approach with the intent of infiltrating the ship? Eventually, we decided to beam aboard. We're going to replicate non-Starfleet clothes, right? Like Sulu when he has that leather cape for that oh, awesome. whole movie and a half. Yeah. Oh, heaven. I want that cape. I want Sulu's whole outfit. What about your pointed ears, though? Oh, I, ha I have my beanie. I have my Spock beanie. I'm I'm wearing like a plunging V-neck shirt with a big gold medallion. Um, I'm gonna wear um, purple pants with a uh, purple midriff, right? I'm just letting that stomach fully be exposed. Yeah, All I'm right. wearing a a sequin dress, a blue sequin dress. There's no back to it, and there is strapless, and there's just a hole cut around my belly button. So just bearing that, <laughs> and uh, and thigh high boots with heels. Important. Oh this is important. 
I also agree with past Sarah Nicole that that leather cape could get it. I could get, if I could like get a replica of that, I would wear it every day. I think it's a perfect. Okay. And Ava's outfit sounds great. So we also brought along Penn Fenton and he was wearing a mustache for his disguise. Yeah, Dave wasn't able to join us, but we brought him along as a red shirt. And so anyway, so they disguise themselves um, and they study the deck plans of the Immaculata before beaming over. I saw there was a swimming pool on here. We're going to pack our bathing suits. Yep. For the away mission, Phil? Yep. Yeah, let's just beam straight there. Let's go straight to the bridge. Yep, we definitely need to have a tractor beam ready. So we're going to prep somebody or prep Stella Artois to be ready with the tractor beam. So as, as you materialize, red alert is, 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 is blaring. The guy has mm -hmm. his weapon pointed at you. What oh, do you do? What? I he has enough it. time to, to react. Kick it out of his hands. I was shooting him with my phaser. All right. So it's kick hit. and then phaser, and, yeah. uh, and he's down. All right, what are you guys doing? I cancel the red alert. I sit down at the helm and go boop, 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 boop. trying to set it uh, on a path towards uh, the Saladin. Laurent successfully set the new course for the Immaculata before the bridge controls were locked out from the engineering section. We snuck around the ship, taking out another crewman with a perfectly executed kick and shoot. Yeah. They found the cook and four ship stewards tied up in one of the quarters. Apparently, they were Immaculata crewmen who had wanted no part in the hijacking. We questioned them. Everyone on this ship is part of the crew other than uh, Anto Rantura. He's our boss, our big okay. boss. Why did they get so mad at him? I, I, well, well, I'm untying them while- They're not mad at him. They just wanted money. See, things been going south ever since all the uh, the flying pancakes took over the planet, and the, oh. the company's not been doing so well. Oh, Remember yeah. the flying parasites that hit Deneva some years ago? Yeah. 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 Shipping yeah. line based here is, uh, you know, been declining in profits. What's college doing? Everybody's been told to uh, to take pay cuts, and they didn't like it. Community college is just the enrollment's way down. They, they cut the budgeting to the music department first. <laughs> no, they actually um, just increased how many Sopranos they took in so that their tuition could pay for the rest of the department. Uh. <laughs> Guys, we're referring to, of course, how in that episode of Star Trek that they filmed it at a community college campus, correct? I, I believe we looked it up and that was correct. Yes. Right. Yeah. So we made a little sneaky like joke there being hilarious. Uh, anyway, we found the crew. We were talking to the crew who we questioned, and then we asked them to get to work preparing food for a pool party later. Seems that was like right. half the episode was working out the catering menu exactly. I kept coming up with more stuff. Um, but did we have fun? Yes, we did. Talking about exactly, uh, yeah. They, well, anyway, they scanned the ship. They detected two individuals in the shuttlecraft bay. So they snuck in there. There was also a lot of discussion about, you know, how people were sneaking sexily. Everything was um, sneaky and sexy with all your costumes and everything. So that was important. And leather cape. 
And in the shuttlecraft bay, they found the ship's first officer, Alavar Hunkel, and engineer <laughs> Elena Davis. They had their backs turned to the PCs, so they got shot in the back, you know, stunned. So what's next? We checked out a lot of rooms, ran into a lot of random guys, some good, some bad. Finally, we checked out the lower engineering section. You guys go down the ladder, you pretty much immediately see, like, you know, the, all the engines are humming, you know, it's like one of those tense scenes, or it's like the lighting is low, and like, there's all these, like, big engines all around, glowing red and orange, a lot of buttons and stuff here. Um, you do see Anto Rentura in the engineering maintenance Yay. area, kind of ducked behind a, a thing, but, you know, he, he's speaking out, so is the, there's a lady doctor in there, too. It's like, who's there? Who are you? What do you want? Um, we're from Starfleet. We're here to rescue you. Nice. <laughs> so from engineering, we were able to regain control of the ship, and the Saladin came uh, anyway and tractored it in, and that was pretty much the end. It, uh, it turns out all the other guys read out that the uh, the owner guy, this was his own plan. Oh, oh what? To, to pretend to be captured and, and to extort the money to, to save his, his uh, shipping line or his company oh well motherfucker stupid i kick him <laughs> nice. uh, we impounded that sweet ass luxury ship though so we can have pool parties whenever we wanted yay okay. um that's it it's pretty simple uh straightforward episode but Senator Cole, you sent an email right after this we, we basically had a small group that night Aaron couldn't make it. Dave couldn't make it. April couldn't make it. Um, Andre and Karen, of course, couldn't make it. So you sent a, an email out, Sarah Nicole, about all the fun that we had. C can you read this email over the air? Because it, it really sure. conveys. You guys, I had so much fun last night. Number one, we all wore sexy futuristic disguises. Number True. two, sex bot Roku Solano was a seduction machine, literally. That's right. And some of the some of the some of the places that you guys went, um, there were just guys in like in rooms, and one of them, Rico Solano, was like, "Well, I, I seduce him," <laughs> and it worked. <laughs> He's a seduction machine. He's a sex number, number three, we came up with a full catering menu for a pool party. Yes. Yeah. Number four, we had a pool party. Of course. So that's amazing. Number five, Laurent wore a beret, medallion, and low-cut shirt for the actual Zoom. He came in costume. That's right. I was like, Eric, come on, put up or shut up. Let's see the costume. And he went to the closet and came out rocking it, dude. Great. <laughs> Amazing. Um, number six on this list is crop tops. Yeah. Do we all wear crop tops? Well, John did, I believe, was the, the whole point. <laughs> Important. Um, number seven, this was for Dave, who wasn't there. We said your Aurelian came and he wore a mustache so that he would also be in disguise. Important. So it was important important that Dave knew his character um, can wear a small um, Errol Flynn mustache. Oh, to... But what, describe an Aurelian in case viewers forget what a Pen Fenton was. Oh, it's another word for score. It's a, it's a giant, like, yellow big bird. <laughs> With a tiny mustache, right? Yeah. So he, because he was in disguise. Obviously, um, we painted our shuttle the porn star ugh, to look even less like a Starfleet shuttle, and then we filled it with counterfeit money. Yeah, 
We're amazing. Um, oh, this is a good one, number nine. Jensen disabled a door keypad with a rockette kick. Very important. That was sexy. So yeah. it was very vivid and cinematic, everything that was described. Yeah, well, sure. Number 10, we established that we always, always approach doors with sexy walks. And I was like, are you guys going sexily? And you're like, Phil, we are always doing everything sexy. <laughs> Look angry. Even well, I mean, I just feel like you should, I feel like you should know that. Um, okay, yeah. and then I'm surprised this didn't make the recap. Oh, after Eric came, came out in his costume, I was like, well, we have to have like a disco dance party now. And so we did. And it was seven minutes long. <laughs> we had a seven minute long dance party. Oh, there's um, seven yeah. minute long. Um, it's it's kind of like a jazz disco fusion trumpet and flute sort of uh, disco song. That's just a riff on the Star Trek theme. And it's by Maynard Ferguson. And you guys should all go look it up because it's amazing. I think we'll, when we post our full gameplay, you'll be able to hear it if you are a Patreon member. Um, I don't think we can legally post it anywhere else or else I would, but please go listen to it and have yourself a seven minute dance party um, and then tell us about it or videotape it and send it because- we can, we can post the YouTube link. Oh, we can post the YouTube link? Yeah. All when right. you post music on YouTube, the, the right people get the royalties for it. So it's it's always it's a okay. All right. Do you want me to pop it on the website? Yeah. All right. I'll pop it on the website. Pop it. Um, and then the end of my email, you guys missed some wild, crazy times and we missed you all. All right. And Ava added a, a reply and she said, Don't forget, we defiled the unconscious and even some of the conscious with a Sharpie. So, Sarah Cole, you had the idea of like, just going to mark a G or a B on everyone to, so we know that they're good or bad just to keep them all straight so yeah a lot of in jokes I mean it was just kind of uh it was fine we kind of like um we got the, the combats kind of down nitty-gritty we, we usually kind of half hand wave them but we we made sure to to figure out what phasers you guys had and how many charges they had and and sort of Kind of kept track of that stuff so it was, it was kind of just a back to the basics scenario it wasn't a whole heck of a lot to it but That's, something about that night we just had such a, a blast with it um yeah i i remember this being one of the funnest nights i think sometimes i i think i mentioned this in our a couple episodes ago um that sometimes a bare bones module gives us room to fill in the gaps with role play. Mm -hmm. Or sometimes when we don't feel like we have an objective that really requires a lot of brain power, we will just feel really a lot of freedom to fill in with nonsense. And I love nonsense in every part of my life. Frivolity <laughs> and things that are difficult or silly for no reason love it right i love circumstance and rituals and pomp and full-on frivolity right so this stuff gets me going right i love it just like you get off on some maps i love talking about outfits and catering menus and what kind of 
Sharpie marks were brightened on NPCs, right? That stuff is so fun for me. Well, so, you, were in, you were in a good mood because of the costumes, and I was in a good mood because of the maps. There's some great <laughs> maps in here. They presented this uh, class of ship, the Immaculata, and it's a luxury liner. So it's it's not really just like a, well, it's not a Starfleet, you know, big old vessel, and it's not a, a, a freighter, a dinky little freighter. It's got a pool, and it's got all these, mm -hmm. like, great amenities luxury cabins and whatnot so it's two full pages of ma of maps and one is the upper deck and one is the lower deck just super rpg-ish uh, it's the sort of ship you would design for an rpg and, and a lot of the designs are not really meant for rpgs so i liked that yeah that was fun no i mean we you heard some of it we all i knock maps but i like them too we respond well to good maps because mm -hmm. it it does all the things it should, right? It really helps, it's important. So when we as players see a map that has fun shit on it, we're gonna go, we gotta go to that fun stuff, right? And because there was a map that had a pool and silly stuff, we were like, well, shoot, we're gonna have a pool party, right? So the map in this case inspired a lot of really fun role-playing, right? Yeah. Can you speak to just the nitty gritty of this module? Like what was in there? what was it just sure. some logistics here sure i want our listeners to know that it's, it's not only in stardate 2 in the next um, issue which is stardate 3 slash 4 it includes deneva deception errata but it's really kind of like a whole chunk of the module which they accidentally left out so you really need both i i, I bought you know I'm, I'm collecting all the modules because we're running them all but for a while, I was just reading this issue number two, and I was kind of like, okay, I, I kind of get it. I, I feel like I'm missing something, and I, I found out about the rest being in here. So you really need both. A, a big part of it is is really just the deck plans of the ship, and then just this, a description room by room. It's almost in that sense written like a traditional D&D module, a lot like the shuttlecraft crash, where it's just a map and a key to the map. And you're just exploring the map and you have kind of a simple objective um so yeah there's the framing story um all of my my first monologue which was the the ransom note that was straight out of the module and um yeah just sort of talks about a little bit the background um of this company the shipping company and and it has npc capsules for all of the characters Maybe a little too much information, but they have full stats and, you know, um, everyone's kind of motivations and whatnot. But the main one is just the, the owner who's pretending to be kidnapped so that he can extort all this money so he can save his business, right? Um, and that's, that's more or less the, the plot of the module. So there you go. It's, it's very comparable to the shuttlecraft crash because it is... I think it's it's great or it's 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 mainly for like your first session well obviously we had fun with it too all good beginner modules we still have fun with too but it doesn't really have a lot going for it it's just um it, it doesn't force you to jump through a lot of hoops and i think we like that we like that just that D, &D style of just um exploring and dealing with little things and making up our fun along the way and unlike the shuttlecraft crash the shuttlecraft crash had a lot 
more Star Trekiness. Even in its bare bones, it had plants and stuff that you had to fight and different kinds of species. So this was just all humans and like an Andorian and whatever. So more humdrum, more kind of sensible, but also um, not a sort of plot that you would necessarily see in an episode of Star Trek because it just it's all just a conspiracy uh, with like kind of low stakes and like, oh, you know, he wanted to save his company with a little like uh, deception. So a lot of that sort of stuff we've been seeing in a lot of these modules of, oh, there's a conspiracy yawn. You had Rivera come in to give us like the hook, I guess, or the exposition. Who was supposed to do that? It was just supposed to be that you were already in orbit around the planet. And so um, the administrator from the planet would would call up to you and be like, hey, I got this uh, situation I'm dealing with. Um, do you have any suggestions? I could really use your help. And so I, I thought it'd be more fun to bring in. I, I really enjoy playing that character with a, with a Spanish accent. So we I love him. him. Yay. The crew loves him. Uh-oh. <laughs> Having recurring NPCs is my opportunity to kind of join in the fun a little bit. Well, we I, love I, it. I and love it, it's really important for world building. You know, if, dear listeners, if you're not already doing that in your campaigns, right, anything you can do like that to tie the whole world together, or if you're going to play a, a lot of these modules together, anything you can do to do world building uh, makes your players feel much more connected to the overarching story. I'm sure you already know that, dear listeners, but this is something Phil does well, so I'm calling it out. I expect Thanks. more XP next campaign for that comment, Philip. I, I sometimes worry that it's like it makes the universe feel too small if the same NPCs keep coming back together. If, like, you know, like in our last episode where it was, you know, the Klingons plus the Vera, plus they kept running into like the Saladin and the Cody. It was a little too much like the greatest hits all coming back together. But what the heck? It's our universe and it, it does make it feel um, less random and more like we're crafting a story. Yeah, and that's, and that's shit that they do in all the series. The same recurring NPC, yeah. same stuff like that. Right? You still got to think about it like it's a story. Mm -hmm. People are going to come back. Of course. She's all connected. I love it. I'm all for it. A plus. Woohoo. Okay. <laughs> we support each other. <laughs> Agreed. And that's pretty much all I have to say about the module. Mm, I have a feeling I know what your warp score is going to be. <laughs> Do you have any other any further thoughts, Sarah Nicole? I don't know if I already said this earlier. So Eric, feel free to edit me out if I'm repeating myself anytime in the future of this podcast. Um, but having that smaller group sometimes gives more people the chance to speak, right? And the chance to have turns. I notice when I'm in when you're playing D&D, it's set up that way, right? You're doing an initiative roll, whatever number you roll, depending on what time you're playing, like if you're playing advanced or fifth edition or whatever, the dice roll is determining who goes or your score is determining who goes, right? And so a lot of times it feels turn-based. So I know that I'm going after Eric in this combat 
So I can sit here and dick around for seven minutes while everybody else goes, right? And then think about what they all did and then make my decision. But in this, in Star Trek, because we don't have like a turn-based system, sometimes it's whoever's noisiest who gets to be heard, right? Or whoever's sound is working better that night or whoever's feeling the most energetic or whoever's character happens to be the most applicable to the situation, right? So there's a lot of other ways that we are figuring out who is getting a chance to talk. And something I like about D&D is that you're forcing everybody to have a turn. Everybody gets the floor for a moment. Everybody gets a second. And our group is big. Yeah. And a lot of times we'll throw out jokes, we'll throw out suggestions and stuff, and it's just moving so quickly that people just don't get heard. And I remember earlier when we started playing, we, Eric and I didn't have good sound. We've improved our sound immensely since then. But I realized some point in it, we realized that our laptop settings made our sound really low. You couldn't hear us very well. And so we'd get pissed off because we'd yell things out and nobody would acknowledge it. And we'd be like, are we even fucking playing? Ugh, we said that five minutes ago and now John's saying it? because I'm a lady? What? <laughs> you know, and really no, it was just that our sound didn't fucking work. So like, what I, my point is, sorry, dear listeners, I'm rambling today, is that with a smaller group, everybody gets to be heard. Everybody's getting a turn. Everybody's also being more cognizant that in a group of four or five people, if Eric hasn't talked in a while, hey, Eric, what's going on? What do you think, right? Or being more inclusive in that way. And sometimes in a group with more people, you don't have the time to check in with every player to make sure that they get a minute to say something, right? Or to make their opinion known or heard. So I think in situations like this, this is a perfect storm of we just happen to have less people playing. We had a kind of simple module. So we always, do really well in doing RP when we don't feel like we have high stakes, right? When it's not a, uh, what is the Philip's favorite? The Termination Town, what is yeah. it? Termination 1456. <laughs> termination Town, when it's like, everybody, you need to put your game face on. You need to read these military fucking tactics. Everybody gets a portion. They're going to report. We're going to sit here for two hours and get our strategy right before you even get to RP. And you've got to know how many troops are on the ground and how many they have. Oh, Jesus. Right? And so there's, in a situation where this, where, like this, where it's like, yeah, we're going to fill a shuttle full of money and fly it into the space. Whoa! Right? It's just not stakes. We don't think, our, we don't think you're going to kill us. Right? There's no danger here. There's no you know, anything. So we're like, fuck it, we're having a pool party, right? And these are the moments that I enjoy the most about role play. You know, everybody's getting a turn. Everybody gets a chance to explore their character. We're not having a situation that's so high stakes that we feel like we have to really get in there, right? We can just have fun and enjoy each other and enjoy people's stupid ideas and build on those. And it becomes like an improv exercise and we just have a grand time. So I think we're, everybody knows I'm going with this is we're about to talk about warp factor scores. Okay, because yeah. Phil's done talking and- No, I got, I, I want to just riff off what you're saying. Go, go, go. Okay. So, so this might be a good one to have in your back pocket. So if you have a night and it's like, oh, you know, 
Julia couldn't be here. Let's just cancel tonight. Don't cancel tonight. No. Enjoy the different dynamics of having a smaller group. Pull out this nice low stakes module. It's easy to run because as the as the GM, all you have to do is when they enter a room, you kind of just read that one room in the in the description. So it's low prep, low stakes. It was maybe a two hour session, one of our shorter sessions. And um, and just kind of enjoy a more relaxed pace for the night and see how it goes. So that might be a great reason to, to get this module. I agree with you. Also, you can reuse the, the ship design. As I said, I'm a big fan of the ship design. I, we, we confiscated the ship at the end and I had the idea of like, this could be the Vera too. If, you know, if Andre wants like that kind of decadent, opulent, big Vera to replace the old crappy Vera, we can go that way. And we'll see. We'll see what he does with that. So, Are you ready for a warp factor score, Philip? So ready. Well, Sarah Nicole, I have no idea how I'm going to score this. Do you? Um, this is the age old question. Am I scoring the module or am I scoring what we did with it, right? I, I kind of have an answer for that in general. I want to score our game night, right? So here's where I'm coming from. For, for years and years after our campaign ended, I just had, um, I tried to start little campaigns, but the one constant I had was a yearly birthday game where I would go from genre to genre to genre, a Middle Earth one, and then, you know, I did a Princess Bride and a Game of Thrones and Star Wars. And, and each time I would test out one of these genres, I would go online and say, hey, does anyone have any recommendations for a one-shot module for this genre? And I'd always get zero or crap recommendations. So that's what we're trying to do. If this is your one-shot, your game night, or maybe two game nights, um, is this the one that you would use? And so we're kind of scoring it on that level. And also we're scoring how it played for us because so often I feel like we're like, well, it was hella fun because our group is awesome. <laughs> but you guys out there, your groups are probably not quite so awesome. Or they're equally or more awesome. I don't know. So we need to maybe kind of assume that, uh, maybe take out that that factor of like second guessing whether other groups are awesome or not and just be like you know what we had a great night with this you know not groundbreaking but it was really not terrible and kind of and kind of approach it from that angle this was our review because this is how it played out for us and that's pretty much all you can do if you don't agree do your own review be our guest yeah. we want to hear it then tell us about it we want to know yeah um, okay, cool. I have a score then. Do on this. Yeah, I I am gonna score this. I'm I'm gonna tell you. I'm not gonna say my number yet. Here, I'm gonna tease it out. You ready? I had a blast playing this. I had the best time. I had so much fun. Is it the most fun we've ever had? Probably not. Was it a solid bit of fun? Heck yeah, it was. Easy peasy module. No stress for anybody. Just a lot of nonsense and shenanigans. Really A plus in my book, like solid starter module. So it gets a seven from me, a solid seven. 
which is all any of us can ask for to be rated a seven right that's that's great yeah for me um shoot i don't want to give it worse than a five because it was a competent module um i'll give it slightly worse than a five just because the maps though what's that the maps though don't forget the maps oh good maps i like the good maps where it really i i gotta dock it a little bit is just the unambitiousness of the the story hook the idea of like well it was a conspiracy and it was just all just guys and and it's just missing that star trek-y element which okay. all the great modules have that's all fair um, and so i'm going to give it a 4.5 because i didn't want to give it a 7.5 just to fuck with Phil's. <laughs> no i'll keep it a seven i'll keep it a seven okay go ahead Phil. no 4.5. all right well that's it that's our review of Den of a Deception. I hope you like what you heard. If you did, please subscribe and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts because it really helps us out. And we, we're desperate to hear from you. Desperate. Guys, seriously, I, when I hear about people um, busting out the Star Trek RPG and being like, this is something I was kind of thought I would like to do. But now that, um, that I'm listening to your podcast, it just seems like totally it absolutely should happen. That is where I get so excited and happy. And I want to hear about your experiences. Um, and yeah, I want to hear any questions you guys have, any sort of way that you can bounce off of what we've said. We will um, feature you on our podcast if you want. So yep. visit our website. That's www.rpgpopclub.com. Or email us at rpgpopclub at gmail.com. Let us know what you think. Let us know if there's anything you want us to review, anything you want us to play at all. We're super open to suggestions. Yep, we're trying to, um, you know, obviously our uh, our master plan is to do every Star Trek, everything, always. But, you know, that's that gets a lot for everybody involved. And so we have been recently visiting some other fandoms and creating some other content um that's not star trek um centric for you guys but if there's a fandom that you're desperate to try or like our intrepid philip was looking for his birthday games you want a, a suggestion for a one shot we'll play it you know we just want to know what you want to hear additionally if you have, Philip was just telling you about things he likes to hear about. I wanna hear if you had a really fun RP moment. I wanna hear if you guys did something wild or if you used the romance rules and something naughty happened or you know, just any weird, fun, silly RP moment you had playing this or any RPG, I would love to hear about it. So please share that with us as well. Um, you made yeah. a mad scientist PC and you took out a vibro blade and killed one of the other PCs. <laughs> That'd be great. I want to know. It's fun. We might even make a segment about this week's fun RP moment. So you send up some stuff, some content for that. We can create it. So record your games. And let us, you know, if you come up with an epic monologue, we want to hear it. We do. Seriously, we challenge you for that. How about that, Philip? What module are we doing next week? We're actually. I got two answers for you, Sarah Nicole. I'm ready. Our next. Our next episode is going to be an interview with captain dr leonard h canterman Woo! 
He is the author of Starships and Spacemen. Um, that's the, the rule set that we use for our, our spaceship energy and space travel and space combat. Um, it's, it's all the, the encounters which we refer to as hazards of space, um, all that stuff. We are big evangelists for his rules and we think they're a, a hidden gem. And right. we, we just have a delightful interview with Dr. Canterman coming up for you. Get um, excited. It's gonna be awesome. It's so fun and interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, this, is, this is definitely something that, um, that people I talk to who listen to our podcast that really resonates with them, this idea of, of the, the hazards of space and the uh, Starships and Spacemen and Lucani Drift, all that stuff, how that all comes together. So we're really excited to talk to um, Dr. Canterman, who wrote an RPG back in 1978 for traveling in space and uh, has done something that I don't think any other RPG has really pulled off as well. At least it really works for us. So we're going to get right into that his history of, of writing it and um, his ideas. Super cool, super so fun, cool. great guy. And then the next proper episode we're gonna do, well, that th- this is basically the last episode of our season two, Sarah Nicole. Wow! Episode number 20. So we're going to, um, we're gonna cap it off with a nice bonus episode that interview I just mentioned, and then we'll, we'll kick off our next season of Star Trek season three um once again we'll tackle star trek and we've got some really exciting stuff coming up in this season nothing more exciting than the triangle campaign which was fasa's most ambitious project Uh, that comes about halfway into the season but we'll start it off with with another module from the stardate magazine it's safari in violet in violet Violate. And this is by our old friends, Guy McLemore and Greg Payline, who have done a lot of the the modules that we love and some of the modules that we don't really love. But but they're they're kind of like the the FASA uh, core team of module writers. So we're excited to get another module in by them. I'm excited for our listeners to hear the Triangle campaign. That was a big undertaking and a big labor of love for us, your gentle hosts here, to do oh, for yes. our group. <laughs> so I'm, I'm excited. very, very excited about that one. That that is that has been, yeah, probably the crown of our whole uh, campaign so far. Mm-hmm. Um, one more thing, we're going to watch for Safari and Violet. We're going to watch the Apple. We'll mention this again, I think, at the end of our Canterman uh, interviews. Sure. The Apple, one of my favorite episodes. I know I always say that. <laughs> But it's so great. Awesome. Um, has anybody reviewed? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <We're> these, shocked. <laughs> these 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 modules in the magazines definitely not something that anyone would have uh, you know inter- would would have reviewed. You guys, I love a magazine module. I don't know why. I love dare I say the romance of it. Like mm-hmm. how what a fun little thing to find right and how esoteric can we possibly be on our podcast we'll show you yeah (laughs) we passed our our library use role in order to even find it yeah (laughs) 
I love it. Hey, dear listeners, thank you for listening. Thanks for listening, guys. And thank you, Sarah Nicole, for an excellent season. Thank you for an excellent season. And also for the extra um, XP you're going to give me next session. Bye, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Do 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 do